Well, at this time, we're going to get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. So ushers, if you could please prepare for that. And, you know, like we just shared, you know, in the last five nights, it's been such an amazing, amazing time. Over 200 people came to know Jesus Christ. Over 200 people. And it was so amazing. In fact, uh, last night, uh, Nick was sharing. And, and uh, after he extends the invitation to receive Jesus, they... They asked for the, the people who just received Jesus to go into the fellowship hall where they'll get a letter from Nick and a Bible and the next steps. And it was, so, it was so amazing because last night I saw one of our youth and he was here with his mom. He invited his mom to church last night to hear Nick speak. And so I see them walking to the fellowship hall and, and I, see, I see this youth and he's actually out of the five nights we've had Nick speak, he was here four of them. And so I see him, and he's walking in, and his mom's there, and he looks at me. He kind of gives me this smirk, like, yep. And so I go, and I'm like, I'm like hi, how are you doing? And Blake's, uh, he's like, oh, this is my, this is my mom. I'm like, oh, it's nice to meet you, and it's, so, it's, it's nice to see you. And your son has told me all about you. And then I go, did you receive Jesus for the first time tonight? She goes, yeah, I did. And I look at, our, I look at the youth, and I'm like, Dude, you just brought your mom not just to church, but you brought your mom to receive Jesus Christ. Her eternity forever changed. And you know what's so amazing is that moments like that happens because we give unto the Lord. We give unto the Lord, and he allows moments like that where people's lives get changed, where people receive hope that's eternal, where people receive the love of Jesus Christ that's unconditional. And so this morning, if maybe you're visiting us for the very first time, and if you are, we ask that you don't feel obligated to give. In fact, receive this service to help you in your walk with the Lord. Or maybe you're visiting us from another church, and we want to just encourage you to continue to give wherever you, you attend church services. But if New Hope Church is where you call home, would you know that as we give unto the Lord, He is always, always excited for those moments to happen, and we get to play a part in that. Would you bow your heads as we pray for our tithes and offerings? Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, and Lord, we want to just thank you so much for being the God that you are, Lord. That, Lord, your heart is that everyone would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. That, Lord, they would come to receive hope that never fades, a love that never fails. And so, Lord, this morning, as we give you our tithes and offerings, Lord, we do so knowing that, Lord, as we give it to you, you're going to take it and you're going to uh, make it and transform it into moments where people will be blessed by you. And, Lord, I pray that you bless the hearts of those who give and let them know that they get to be part of that blessing as well. That, Lord, everything you do has eternal rewards, and we get to be a part of that. And so, Lord... We just come to you and we look forward to what you're going to continue to do in the lives of your people, Lord. We love you. We thank you. And we pray for all these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Well, there's so many things happening. In fact, last week, Sunday, we had our water baptism down at Coconut Island. And it was such an amazing day where people publicly declared that Jesus Christ was their Lord, was their Lord and Savior. 24 were water baptized. Can we just congratulate them? 24 people said yes to water baptism. And if that was you and you were water baptized, we want to congratulate you. And then we want to give you a certificate. So right after service, 
if you go to our information center, which are out of these doors and right in that area, then you're going to be able to receive your baptism certificate. And once again, what a wonderful decision. You know, we make decisions every single day, and today you decided to be here. And the reason why we're here is because God draws us to himself, and he does something so profound in our lives that sometimes, if we're not paying attention, we can actually miss it. That's why this series called Hunger and Thirst No More has to do with us taking initiative to hunger and thirst for the things of God. So you can take out your notes with us and, or your church app. Even those of you who are joining online, follow along. And by the way, because we're live streaming, we're beta testing, uh, sometimes you'll see certain things happening or even online. If it does, please be patient with us. We're doing our very best to make things work together uh, for the good of what God wants to do. But today, as we talk about hungering and thirsting, I think we understand what hungry means and we understand what thirst is. But it is said that here in America that our thirst mechanism is so weak that we often mistake it for hunger. I often mistake it for hunger. I'm pretty sure I do because I am hungry all the time, constantly hungry. In fact, I'm that person that goes to the kitchen and opens the freezer and the refrigerator at the same time just to take inventory. I'll walk up to it, and because we have a, a, the top and the bottom, I'll grab both handles, open it up, and just do a quick close it, walk to the, the cupboard or the pantry, open up both of them, and then scan again. And then when I'm done, I'm thinking, there's nothing to eat. But there, there are things to eat. It's just I'm too lazy to cook. Well, you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for something quick. I want something fast. And I want something to fill me. So what I gravitate towards is snacks. And the reason why I gravitate towards snacks is because it's much easier, it's faster, and junk food tastes so good. Well, how is that even possible? Like if you were to choose between a carrot and a bag of Doritos, you're choosing Doritos. But it's not as healthy as carrots are. See, our, our hunger and thirst, that mechanism that's in us, is there for a reason. It's to tell us something. It's to give an indication of what's happening on the inside. So when you're hungry for food, you're going to eat. When you're thirsting for a drink, you're going to take a drink. So I carry a, a 40 ounce of uh, water, water, <laughs> see you guys, oh man, good thing you're in church, a hydro flask in my house so that if I ever think I'm hungry, I'll drink water because it might very well be that I need water. And if you're waiting to become thirsty in order to drink water, you're already going into dehydration. So we are to constantly drink water all day long. Not too much, but not too little. And supposedly the consumption of water is dependent on your age, your height, your weight, and so forth. And that's just water. So if that happens to us physically, what happens to us spiritually? I mean, if we wait till our soul is empty and depleted, then what are we going to turn to when we're thirsty spiritually? Well, I can tell you what I used to do. I used to look for things in the world. I would look for things that are temporary, like something that will fill my soul quickly. It, it, it could be anything from just self-entertainment 
It could be things that uh, is like uh, consumerism, that I want to purchase something. So you go shopping. And you do things that will fill your soul temporarily, or it makes you feel good. But then in the end, you only turn up empty anyway. We do certain things in the world. In fact, the world is filled with tangible things that may satisfy us for a little while, and then it slowly fades away. And what Jesus came to bring is not, not something that would sound good, but he brought something that would fill our soul. He calls it the Beatitudes. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. In fact, the, the scripture that we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And it reads it like this. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And here it is, for they shall be filled. You know that word filled means satisfied? That we're satisfied. I mean, I don't know about you, but there are certain things in life that may satisfy for a moment, but then it runs out. It's like watching like a Netflix series. You get to the end, you're satisfied, and then something happens, and then it ends. And you're like, oh, man, I need to watch the next one. Why? Because now you're dissatisfied at the end. Well, that's what the world offers. The world offers something that will satisfy you for a moment, but then in the end, you're thinking, I got to get more of that. And what Jesus is saying is every temporary thing in the world will only satisfy you temporarily. But in his kingdom, when he said, you shall be filled, what he's saying is, this that I'm going to give to you, it'll satisfy your soul for all of eternity. In other words, it, it begins here in this life, but it doesn't only fulfill your heart's desires here, it carries on into eternity. So he says, hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's the only way you're going to be filled. We grow up as babies, we're constantly hungry, right? If you have a brand new baby, your baby wants to eat. They eat a lot. And they say, if, if, if we didn't have created in us a way for us to stop growing, we'd weigh a couple tons by the time we become adults. Thank you, Jesus, that whatever growth uh, speed we're at as a baby, that slows down. But as a baby, we're, our babies are constantly hungry. Why? Because they need the nutrients. When my son was born, I was 15, and Heidi was 16. We were teenage parents. So he's 30 now. But when he was born, he was constantly eating and drinking milk over and over, constantly. So we couldn't keep up with him, and we thought, wait a minute. I thought he was supposed to only drink one bottle. Well, he drinks the bottle, looks at us like, okay, like, okay, that was, what is that, appetizer? So we had to give him more milk, and he was not full. So we thought, okay, we got to do something else. So we gave him poi. Poi is the root of the taro plant. And you pound the taro, uh, the root, and you make it into this paste, this poi. So if you know what poi is, um, then you should try it one day and film yourself. I want to see it. We put poi in his, in his bottle. But the thing with poi is because it's thick, it couldn't go through the hole in his bottle. So we poked the holes to be bigger. But as he's drinking it, same thing, he would clog it. So what we did is we just made, I just cut the top. Just, just one solid puka so that the poi could go through. And then he would drink the bottle and he would be satisfied. Of course, like four bottles later, but he was satisfied. We, we grow up in an environment and a culture 
of food. Our, our physical bodies need food. And what Jesus was speaking was that you're going to hunger and thirst for something. Because it's, it's built inside of us. So he says, hunger and thirst for this, righteousness. Righteousness is to be in right standing with God. To understand that you have approval with God. To have a, a conscience that's clear so that your, 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 your thinking is correct. When he talks about hungering, it's having that crave for something. In the sense of hungering for food, physically, you crave for food to tell your body you need to eat something because you're lacking the nutrients. Thirsting means you're, 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 your throat is dry, you're going into dehydration. So your body triggers it and tells you you need water. Well, our spirit does the same thing, but if we don't understand what's happening inside of us, that we, we are actually hungering and thirsting for righteousness... If we misconstrue that, we're going to think it's other things. And so we're going to fill our life with, oh, this relationship is not working. I'm going to jump to the next one because I'm not, I'm not satisfied. And if we think it's pornography, then we're going to jump to that and say, oh, this is going to satisfy me. If it's more money, then we're going to try to accumulate more money thinking that's going to satisfy us. Drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, we think that's going to satisfy us. But it doesn't because that's not what the spiritual hunger and thirst is for. It is for righteousness. And when Jesus said, this is the only way you're going to be filled, he's not giving us the answer. He's giving us the way to be filled, to be satisfied. Otherwise, you stay hungry and thirsty for righteousness, filling it up with unrighteousness. You know what was the best, one of the best parts of sports when we would do practices like if you play football or any type of sporting activity and you're just, you're grinding it out, you're in the hot sun, you're doing sprints and you're dead tired, you're crawling on your hands and knees because you're tired. There's one thing that the coach says that sparks everyone's attention and they start running. It is called water break. You could be on the ground crawling, dying of thirst. And then the coach says, water break, what? Everybody starts sprinting. I'm thinking, where did that energy come from? Well, that energy came from your thirst and hunger saying, I am going to do whatever it takes to get that because I know that when I get there and I drink, I'll be satisfied physically. And Jesus uses that example and says, you're going to hunger and thirst, but here's what you hunger and thirst for, righteousness. You're going to be spiritually dying you're going to, be, going to be on your hands and knees. Life is going to deplete you. You're going to be crawling. You're going to be dying. And Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. In other words, Jesus says, water break. But we don't run to the world. We run to him. That's the whole reason why he said these words. In, Ma in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, he says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man do or give in exchange for his soul? See, God, God is the one who desires our very best. So he's going to present his very best. And sometimes we exchange for our soul sinful pleasures. We exchange for our soul negativity. We exchange for our soul broken relationships. And Jesus says, that's, that's not going to satisfy you. You're going to try to 
try to profit your soul in these ways, he's saying that's not going to work out. This, you're, you're exchanging your soul for that which breaks you down, not for that which fills you. And I want to be the one that fills you. Jesus is constantly feeding our soul. And when he feeds our soul, we'll either be influenced by him or the world. It's our choice. But when he does fill our soul, we will hunger and thirst no more for the things of the world in the context of the world should satisfy me. Now we know where to go. Oh, we're still going to battle with that. We're still going to learn that. But he says, once you understand that your hunger and thirst should be for righteousness, then you know where to go. That it's no longer in this way or the old life. It's now this new life in me. That's what Jesus was teaching a woman. We know her as the Samaritan woman found in the book of John. John chapter 4. The Samaritan woman goes to the well every single day to draw water because they're in the desert. They don't have, you know, board of water supply. They have a puka in the ground, a hole, a well that they have to go to every day to draw water for their drinking. And that's where they went. Well, she went there every day and Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. So when Jesus shows up, there's a little bit of a dilemma. I'm going to read in the book of John. If you want to turn there, you can. John chapter 4. And I'll read from verse 4. It says, now Jesus had gone through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. This is John chapter 4 in the New Testament. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. In other words, it's the hottest point of the day. Not only is the desert already hot, but it is now noontime and the hottest point of the day. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Well, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. I'm a Samaritan woman. How, how can you ask me for a drink? Because Jews did not associate uh, with the Samaritans. So Jesus answered her, well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water? In other words, she's saying, you know, day after day I come here. I never heard of living water. What is that? And how can I get this? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Here's what she's saying. I have to come here every single day and I'll drink, I'll quench my thirst, but then I'm thirsty again. I have to come the next day, drink, and get thirsty again. This keeps me coming back because I'm constantly thirsty. So if you're talking about a different kind of water that I'll thirst no more, that's what I want. And what Jesus does, he begins to separate the two, the physical and the spiritual. And he begins to let her understand that I'm not talking about the physical. But what you're sensing is actually spiritual. You're saying, 
I don't want to keep coming back here. So give me that living water. Jesus is almost like saying, I, you're getting it. Because what you're doing spiritually is you keep going to other things over and over, thinking that's going to satisfy your thirst. That's why he follows up with saying, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, right, you had five. And the one you're living with is not your husband. He wasn't trying to point out a fault. He was saying, you keep trying these things, thinking it's going to give you self-worth and satisfaction, but you always end up thirsty again. Why? Because your soul is empty, not your physical nature. Your physical body will hunger and thirst for food. That's going to happen throughout your entire life. But your spiritual life, oh, now you're hungering and thirsting for something eternal, and you can't quite make it out what it is. That's why Jesus says, if you knew who was asking, I would have given you. In other words, Jesus is telling her, I am the living water. You will only be filled with me. Everything else is going to be dissatisfying in the end. See, everything of the earth is temporary and comes with an expiration date. Everything of the spirit is eternal and comes with expectations of eternity. And we will never be able to experience that unless we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Did you know that when Jesus is speaking about this living water, he's, he's, he's giving her a picture of stale water and living water. Now, water in itself is not alive. Water becomes alive or starts looking alive only when it's... it's, it's Moved by gravity, lunar orbit, you know, tides. That's what makes it, or, or the wind. So we have, you know, waves here in Hawaii or wherever it may be. Water in itself is not alive, but other components connected to it makes it look alive. That's, when, that's why when you're next to a stream, like a water that's a nice stream, it's so soothing. It's just that sound. It's just relaxing because the water is alive it's it's moving have you ever been next to just a puddle of water that's been stagnant for years there's a difference there's the ah it feels so refreshing sounds so good you can fall asleep and then you have the stagnant puddle that's what you hear you're mosquitoes there's there's a difference between the living water and just stagnant water. And Jesus said, Here, here's, here's going to be the difference in your life, that I'm going to move in your life. Here in Hawaii, we know it as an ahupua'a, right? The, the, the water that comes from the mountain all the way to the ocean. And in this ahupua'a system, you have farming that takes place. You have livestock. And there is a system that our ancestors, the Hawaiians, would use to test the waters they would not go to the source or the top to test the waters to see how it is. They would actually go to the bottom of the, the stream to test what's happening. And scientists today have this thing that they're dis- not necessarily, necessarily discovering but studying called water memory. That water can pick up components, the, pro- the, the uh, different proteins or uh, the different makeup of what is taking place or whatever it came in contact with and it'll almost like have photocopies of what connected with the water and and what they would do is study what's happening downstream to resolve the issues upstream 
So if there was a dead animal in the water, if the waters became poisonous, whatever it was, they could determine where it came from. Just from studying the water. When God gives us Jesus as the living water, you know what he does? When he comes in, he does the very same thing. The living water comes into our soul and goes into the the rocky places of life, the darkest areas of our heart and our soul, and then it takes all of this data, collects it, and then says, here's the different issues. It's right here, right here, right here, right here. Oh, no, 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 it must be this. You know, this person has outbursts of anger. This person is jealous. This person has a short temper. No, 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 that's not the issue. That's the result of something that's taking place upstream. There's something deep down in our hearts that causes us to have these emotions and to to behave in certain ways. And what Jesus does is he says, I'm going to correct these areas because this is just the result of what is taking place in your heart. And so when he becomes the living water, now he begins to cleanse us. He begins to help us. And now we take on the form of him in who he is. I love this interview that I saw the other day. They asked him this question, you know, what what is water like to you? Or what is it like to have this kind of mindset, this philosophy? And he said, clear your mind. Empty your mind. Water is shapeless and formless. You put the water in a cup, it becomes the cup. You put the water in the bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put the water in the teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can crash and it can flow. Be water, my friend. It's the best I could do. It's the best, best I could do. (laughs) And I thought, that's what Jesus was saying to this woman. He was saying, you you almost got it. You're hungering and thirsting for something. But in order for you to be satisfied, you're going to need the living water. And unless you have the living water, you'll keep coming back to this temporary well with temporary fixes and no eternal hope. And so how do we benefit from this then? Well, I want to give you three things that happen when Jesus becomes what you hunger and thirst for. Here's the first thing, that Jesus sets us up for success. He sets us up. And and I think that's probably one of the things we tend to forget. Not only does Jesus set us up, but he gives us the wisdom required to be successful. Now, we hear the word successful in our world. We're thinking, oh, more money, more riches, more fame, success. No, no, no. If you think of it biblically, if you're doing well in your marriage, that's success. If you're you're bringing your family together and you're putting God first in your family, that's success. If you're saying to God, God, I want to give up my old life, I want to live my life for you, that's success. God, I want to teach my children your ways. I want, to, I want them to grow up in the ways of God. I want, to, I want to help them to become more the person you're making them to be. That's success. Because whatever you want God to bless, you make him first in. Oh, then everything else can be added. You can, you can get things. You can make more money. You can do those things. But when God is first, those things don't consume you. And now for some people, and I've heard it before, that they say, God has called me. To sing for him. 
That's why we have a worship team. That's their gift. They sing for God. That's their wealth, as it were. Some people have even told me, you know, God, God called me to make money. And they use that money for him. That's their gift. They know how to do that very well. For some people, they love to cook. So they say, you know what, this is my wealth. So I'm going to cook for God. And they serve here. They cook down at under his wings. And they, they feed those who are less fortunate. See, every, every single person that, that God has created, he has, he has given ways for success. But we have to cooperate with him. I mean, Jesus becomes your living water. He begins to quench all the areas in our life that are dry with lost hope, brokenness, and, and, and even, even depleted potential. He says, I can, I, can use, I can use what you have left and make it into something great. I can bring success where you've been unsuccessful, and it'll be by my spirit. Otherwise, we'll fill it up with other things, and it'll never satisfy us because we don't, it doesn't have the substance required to fill what only God can. That's why in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it gives us a picture of what it looks like to be set up for success. And it says this, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf shall not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. That's the picture that Jesus gives to us to help us to understand that that's how he sets us up for success. He plants us next to the streams of water. Notice he didn't say stagnant waters. He said streams of waters. Why? Because it's living, constantly moving, adding nourishment to our souls. And he says, and your leaves will not wither. In everything you do, you will prosper. That only happens as a result of Jesus coming in, setting us up for success. In other words, he's saying, when you delight in me, when you delight in righteousness more than unrighteousness or sin, then I'm setting you up for success. I'm going to plant you for success. Everything else will set you up only for pain, misery, decay, and unfruitfulness. But Jesus says, I'm gonna, you're going to bear fruit in your life. In other words, you're going to be successful in all kinds of ways. You're going to have spiritual breakthroughs and you're going to prosper in me. That's what he's talking about, that kind of success. And we got to be able to discern that and catch that. Because if we don't, you know what Jesus does? In order for him to teach us something, he puts us in a situation where we need to learn, where we can learn. Oh, he can give us the wisdom, and if we change like that, great. Because if, if we don't humble ourselves in, in private, then God's just going to humble us in public. And then we'll learn the lesson. But he says, I take, no, I take no joy in humbling you in public. Let's do this in private. And when you catch that, he, he adds to it. He fills us in whatever area. For Heidi and I, I, I look at our marriage, and we've been married for a long time. 25, 6 years. Yeah? Woo! Close one. Almost, you know, I just seem like eternity. <laughs> that can go good or bad. 
So we've been married for a while. Early on in our marriage, when we got married, I remember uh, we, we would fight a lot. We had differences, and we would go back and forth, back and forth. And I remember one night we got into this major fight, uh, and our, I don't know if my son, oh yeah, the second one was born, Jordan. He was born, he was maybe a, a year or two, he's 24 now. But I remember us fighting, and then Heidi said, fine then, fine. And I don't know what else she said, but I remember she walked out of the house. Now, this is late at night. She's walking out of the house. And, and, and I'm in the house, and I'm thinking, where are you going? Where are you going to go? So I went to my bedroom window, and I'm watching her, and she's walking down the road. And I'm watching her, and I'm thinking, she's going to turn around. Guarantee she's going to turn around. She can stop right there. She can think things through. She can come back. She's still walking, okay? Keep walking, Okay. <laughs> Where's she going? <laughs> and then she was gone. I, I couldn't see her. So I called her friend and I said, uh, just letting you know, Heidi and I got into a big fight. You need to pick her up because she's walking somewhere. And so I said, I think I know where she's going. So I gave her friend the route that she might be going. Sure enough, she sees Heidi, says, Heidi, get in the car, and gave some stern words to Heidi. I forget what was said. But basically in the sense of God wants to do great things for you guys, so shape up kind of thing. Like she gave her some, you know, sister slaps kind of thing. So came back home. I was already sleeping because I'm like, I'm not waiting up for this woman. That was my attitude. And so I went to sleep, probably did a short prayer like, God, please change her. And then I went to bed. <laughs> and then she comes into the room and she apologizes, asks for forgiveness. We both prayed together, asked for forgiveness. And then she said to me, you will never see me turn around, turn away from you ever again. And from that day forward, it's like God did something in our marriage. Because we were hungry and thirsting for righteousness more than wanting to be right. There's a difference. And when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. And it's in every area of our life. We'll be firmly planted by streams of water. And in whatever you do, you succeed. Second thing is that Jesus brings to life what seems dead. That's kind of what was happening in, the, in our marriage at that point. Like, are we going to keep, keep going in this direction? Because that's only going to bring death in our marriage. But if we bring in Jesus, then at that point, we're going to be able to live in our marriage we're going to have a, a marriage that has life to it and i think for many of us we've gone through seasons that is not it's not a, a, a like the most fruitful season or the most joyful have you have you ever gone through like a dry season that there's just no joy there's just something and you know the lord but is, there's just something that is not like it's not clicking or something's not happening and it's just you just feel empty even though you still you know jesus and there's just, it's almost like a dry desert time. Feels like you have no purpose. You can't make ends meet. You feel depressed or whatever the reason is. You don't feel like you got it all together or whatever. And, and it just feels dead or empty or dry. Well, Jesus is able to bring what seems dry to life because he's the living water. In other words, have you ever poured water on like a dry mud surface or like hard surface? You watch what the water does. It just... This soaks into the ground. And then the ground becomes saturated and then once again softened. And that's, that's what Jesus does. He, he brings in his spirit and whatever is hardened on us, we're, we soak in his spirit and then it just gives life to everything. When Mary and Martha 
these two sisters had a brother who passed away. Jesus shows up late in their eyes. And they say, Jesus, you know, if you showed up, our brother would have been okay, but you kind of came late. And Jesus says, no, no, he'll be okay. Your brother will live. And Martha said, oh, yeah, I know, because in the resurrection. And their brother's name was Lazarus. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. But you're forgetting one thing. And he says this in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. He told her this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will, will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he says this, do you believe this? He's, he's, he's asking her to respond to this. Because she had it right in her mind, but she forgot the power of Jesus. Do you believe what I'm saying? That I can, I am the resurrection. It's not I can bring the dead to life. I am life. It's not that I have these miracle powers. I am the miracle. It's not that I have some, some, some special thing that, that can, can empower you and that can bring you hope. I am hope. This is who I am. So when you're connected to me, you have everything that I have. Therefore, if you're dying on the inside and Jesus comes in you and you understand the concept of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, then you shall be filled. When you understand that, now Jesus can breathe and bring in living water that brings to life even that which seems dead. He can do that in our marriages, even our finances. He'll give us the wisdom to steward things well. He will give us wisdom in how to treat one another. Jesus can even bring back to life a family that's falling apart. He can do that. If Jesus can raise people from the dead and himself come back to life, he can raise anything back to life. Regardless if it seems dead, dry, or decayed. Even if it's falling apart, he can bring it back together. One person came up to me and they said, I got to get a new Bible. My Bible is falling apart. And I remember a quote. Whenever you see a Bible that's falling apart, you will also see an owner who's not. He gives us his word, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is the word of God. And he uses this to bring to life that which seems dead. Do you believe this? That's what he's saying. Do you believe this? Or is it just hearing it and not following through with what he's saying? Because when Jesus brings us this living water, it's not just for you. He uses that to overflow from our life, like he said, it's going to be a, a, a spring bubbling up from within. And the reason for that is now we have his spirit living in us, and now it's going to bubble up and overflow. Why? So that, here's the third thing, so that we can be a blessing to others. Jesus blesses you and I so that we can be a blessing to other people. This is why he referred to himself as living water, because living water will continue to bring forth life, not just to the individual, but to those surrounding that person. And in order for us to be filled, we will have to first hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's why he said hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you shall be filled. 
But if we, if we don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, we're not going to be filled. In other words, he's saying, you need, to, you need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not just hear about it. You have to develop this mechanism to hunger and thirst for righteousness. When Jesus was at a festival, they were celebrating. Because the Jews had different festivals that they would celebrate different things. Jesus is at the festival. And on the last and greatest day of the festival, in John chapter 7, verse 37, it's in your notes. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Here's the reason why he said come to me and drink. Because many people come to him but never drink him in. And I fell into that routine coming to church. I would come to church over and over, but I would never drink in the spirit of God. I would come for attendance sake. Like, oh, I, I went to church. All right, good things going to happen. I came to church, I feel better. I came to church, now things are going to work better. I came to church, now my marriage is going to work. He says, no, no, you need to drink when you come to me. Come to me and then drink. Because that's the only way I'm going to be able to permeate every area of your life. You have to drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. In other words, it's going to be in you, not just around you. God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. But here's what happens many times. We're telling God to just bless us, forgetting that we should be doing what he's blessing. Like if God is blessing right here and he's saying, here's where I want your marriage to be. This is who I want you to be as a husband. You need to die to self. You're, too, you're, you're, you're not kind to your wife. You speak down to her. You're constantly demeaning her, calling her names. That's, and you're asking me to bless your marriage? No, no, this is what I'm doing. I'm, this is how I'm blessing your marriage, to be kind, gentle, patient. This is who I'm making you to be. So don't ask me to bless what you're doing. How about you do what I'm blessing because this is where the power is. It's almost like us saying, like to our children. Now, we, we live in Hawaii, so we're, 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 we're built around food. That's our culture, I guess. And I, I have not seen this happen in any other uh, friends or people that I know of that don't live here in Hawaii. And here's the scenario. When it's dinner time, we say, it's dinner time, come and eat. And if our children say, I'm not hungry, we tell them two things. Either get here and eat or starve. Those are the two options. What would it sound like? And what would it be like if we say, okay, children, dinner is ready, and your child is in their room, and they're playing Fortnite, and they say, I'm not hungry right now. I'm building. In fact, Father, can you bring my dinner to me? Come hither, please. And then they, they just wait there. Now, you as the parent, you would not just, okay, I'm going to scramble and start making their plate and then bring them to them and then, you know, give them their plate and start, you know, fanning them. That would not happen. You say, here's the food. You come to the dinner table and eat. That's the difference between us saying, God, come hither, please, and bless what I'm doing. Then God's saying, come and eat at my table. Everything is at your disposal. Here's my blessings. We put down what we're doing and we say, God, I want to do what you're blessing. Help me to do that. 
because you set me up to succeed. You bring to life what seems dead, and you bless me so that I can be a blessing. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Come to him and drink. Take in his spirit, because when we do, we're going to be able to see not just how good he is, but how filled we can be. Amen. And close your Bibles, put away your notes. I'm going to ask Glenn to come to the keyboard. We're going to close in prayer. Hunger and thirst no more. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, it is a joy to be in your presence. It is, it is a joy to understand what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it's not just to hunger and thirst and then hear your word and then leave. No, we're, we're a blessed people when we do what we know. That's where the blessing comes in. And we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers of the word. And that when you speak to us, help us to apply it because that's where the wisdom comes in. That's where the blessing is. It's, it's doing what you're blessing. We want to be where you're at. We want to be obedient to you. We want to hear your voice and then carry out the mission that you have for all of us. So thank you for being the living water. Thank you for always setting us up for success in every area of life. Thank you for nourishing us so that we can bear fruit in each season of life. That in ever, whatever we do, we prosper. We're a blessed people, Lord. Help us to be a blessing to others. We pray this in Jesus' precious and powerful name. And we all said together, amen.